We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Buzz Beat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. All right, welcome in episode 41 uh, of Buzz Beat Radio. Uh, it's me, Spencer Percy. I'm back. I survived getting married and a honeymoon. Uh, and I need to be careful what I say because she's looking at me as we record this guy. So I have to be very, very careful with <laughs> what I say. But no, it was great. I'm happy to be back. I'm surprised that Brian and Richie didn't break off and start their own thing while I was gone. Uh, number one, because they're so darn good together uh, as a duo. And I don't really know they need me anymore. But they have been nice enough to invite me back to record uh, another episode, maybe some more here in the future. But uh Folks, before we jump in here, don't forget we are uh, a proud member of the Almighty Baller Radio Network, um, and also Buzzbeat's home is QueenCityHoops.com. Our good friends, SportsChannel8.com. Uh, Go check them out. We're, we're hot and heavy in college football season as the, the race to the playoff uh, continues, and Sports Channel 8 has got you covered when it when it comes to ACC sports. Big game up in South Bend today, I think, Brian. Uh, yeah. The Wolfpack. Really trying to get back in this playoff race at Notre Dame. So yeah. uh, go to Sports Channel 8 for all your college football and now coming up, uh, ACC college basketball covers. They do a great job over there. All right. On that note, uh, try to catch me up in like 30 seconds, Richie. What did I miss? Am I still a, a value to this uh, establishment we have here? And uh, did you miss me? Did you miss me at all? I missed you a lot. It felt weird being the uh, the host. Uh, I am a point guard, so I feel like I like to assist other people, but uh, I missed your voice. Um, it was good doing it with Brian, but I like having the trio back. Well, that uh, that is reassuring, and that feels good, and I appreciate it. But I do mean it when I, uh, I was, you know, again, caught as much of you guys as I could while I was gone, and you did a fantastic job, so credit to you, both of you guys. Brian, how's it hanging over there? Good, man. This has been a long week. Uh, it was down in Charlotte uh, in Richie's neck of the woods this week for ACC Operation Basketball, which is the sort of big media kickoff event for hoop season and was a- actually able to catch in person 
a uh, the Hornets against the Nuggets Wednesday night, which is fun. I, I get to see like one Hornets game in person every two years. So cool to get the cool to get the spectrum and, and see uh, the Hornets have a, a really good game. So everything's good. I'm very tired, but all together things are good. Good man. Yeah, I'm with you on the on the tired part. But uh, all right, yeah. well let's let's jump in this Hornets basketball here. We actually have uh, well, this is the first time I've had a chance to talk about regular season NBA basketball. Um, a lot of mixed results so far. Um, I would say the common denominator in all those mixed results, as you guys have talked about a lot and we've discussed even before the season started, is injuries. I mean, the Hornets' ceiling is only can only be so high at this point because of how beat up they are um, when it comes to injuries. We'll start with the Milwaukee game, guys. Um, and I will open this up by I just want to take a moment and appreciate uh, the Greek freak uh, and how unbelievably good that guy is. He scores 32 points, 14 rebounds, uh, grabs 14 rebounds and dishes out six assists on Monday night as Charlotte went to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, the Hornets had no answers for him, but they actually did as good of a job as anybody in the NBA has done so far this year. Um, and they were without MKG in that game. There's no like there's no defense for him. Uh, I mean, Giannis, he doesn't even need to beat his defender. Um, if you go under screens, it doesn't matter because it just gives him more room to get his, you know, to get going downhill towards the rim. He really just has to like sidestep you or reach around you in his arm. And however long that wingspan is, is literally at the rim and he can just flip it up. I, I don't ever remember seeing a player like him um, watching a guy like him in the NBA. I mean, I, I think. The convenient comparison, it seems to be LeBron, just maybe because of body type, but he's a much different athlete than LeBron. Um, So it's amazing to watch that guy play basketball. He's the front runner for the MVP now, and Charlotte just couldn't do enough to slow him down. Uh, Although they played a really good game, I think, Mm -hmm. shorthanded in Milwaukee. Uh, just, you know, with, with, with Giannis, you feel like you can't take your eyes off this guy. I mean, I've seen him play probably four or five games already this year. The Portland game last Saturday was a masterpiece. Um, and he's shooting 79% in the restricted area. I mean, those are those are numbers that would make prime Shaq and prime LeBron um, envious. And it is crazy, too, with LeBron. I was telling a buddy of mine, you watched Cleveland and Milwaukee play the other week. I, I taped the game because it was on during when the Hornets were playing uh, Friday night. And... It's funny to see, man. I don't think LeBron is the biggest fan of Giannis, to be honest with you. And I think part of it he sees is, I think it's the first time in LeBron's life he's ever looked at a guy and thought, man, imagine what I could do if I looked like that. Like, I think it's the first time LeBron's ever had any sort of athletic cognitive dissonance when it comes to body type and stuff. And uh, But yeah, Giannis is a problem, man. And if he ever learns an 18 footer or a three, I mean, look out because he's anything at the nail or at the, at the elbow, he's unstoppable, especially once he gets to the paint. And you were talking about Spencer, like he doesn't even have a, a jump shot, but when people go underneath those screens, he will create a lot of uh, speed heading towards the basket. Mm-hmm. And he, he can just get in the paint at will. It takes him two steps from mid court to get to the, to the rim. And, 
it was a very difficult challenge, especially without MKG. So we threw Marvin at him early on, and I think uh, Travion Graham even played some defense on him as well. So it's kind of pick your poison type of deal. You know, Marvin is not as quick laterally, uh, but he's got way more length. One thing I did note uh, is the sub pattern for the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis. It's it's a very different one. They take him out in the middle of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the third quarter. While he's sitting, most of our starters are still in there in the first quarter. But the issue comes, he comes back and plays the full second quarter. He comes back and plays the full fourth quarter. And that puts a lot of pressure, not only on our starters to kind of build that lead, but also for our our bench play, which is already depleted because we don't have a lot of uh, depth with all the injuries, um, to kind of keep pace with him and I think that was the biggest thing and you know he didn't even look gassed at all you know in that fourth quarter he played the whole fourth quarter and it just puts a lot of pressure on those bench players and Kaminsky did have a good game but other than that it just seems like we can't keep pace when our second unit is out there yeah I think it's a good point Richie about the sub pattern with uh with Giannis is is just I think it puts pressure on opposing coaches that kind of trot Mm -hmm. out the traditional sub patterns right much Mm -hmm. like the hornets do it it makes them get those starters back there back in early uh earlier and and ultimately makes them play longer minutes throughout the game you know when when jonas is in there against what you would call the traditional second unit uh against the opposing team you know playing the whole second quarter uh and then you know the whole fourth quarter but really it's early in those quarters when usually uh you're unearthing the second unit uh, so that, that, that's an interesting point. But, I mean, a few things I noted from this game, and I really want to focus on the end of game, uh, the, the late game situation for Charlotte. I, I did a little a little kind of screenshot uh, Twitter thread earlier in the week, some very poor possessions down the stretch for Charlotte. But uh, in this game, Milwaukee, 52 points in the paint. Like, not surprising. That's just they're the number one team in the NBA when it comes to scoring it's in the paint. It's their game. Yeah. It's their game. Like, so Monroe, Giannis, I mean, those guys, that's where they lead. That's where they eat. Yeah. And- 28 of those were in the second quarter. 28 of those were in the second quarter when our when our bench was out there. Yeah, I mean, so, I, you know, I don't know you can do that much to keep them out of there, you know, when you consider how good they are in the paint. I mean, I don't even know if 52 is that awful. But Charlotte only yeah. scored, I think, 28 or something. So there's, there's a big gap there. Um, I thought that the Hornets did a nice job on the defensive glass. Uh, Milwaukee only grabbed five offensive rebounds, very, had very few second chances. So when the Hornets got stops – Uh, They played Clifford ball there and and really cleaned it up. Um, You know, offensively for Charlotte in this game, Milwaukee plays a very aggressive defensive style, almost like the Miami Heat trapping scheme um, when they had Dwayne, LeBron, Chris Bosh, you know, that Eric Spolstra, you know, trap and and recover. Milwaukee runs something very similar. They, They don't trap every pick and roll, every action with Kimba, but most they do. And they're going to concede that open corner three in a lot of situations because, you know, they, they just have to when you trap a lot of stuff, you have to help that much farther off the, you know, off the, the guy in the corner. Um, and I think it created some offense for Charlotte. Kimba split a few of them, was able to get in the middle of de- the defense, finish some of those at the rim. But he was also able to get Marvin some open shots. Lamb got some open threes out of that. Uh, I want to say Monk maybe got one. So. Just that aggressive style that Milwaukee plays, I think Charlotte did a pretty good job at negotiating that uh, and getting some open shots. I mean, I think Frank's three to tie it at 94 late in the game kind of came out of that kind of situation, getting the ball to the middle, kicking it out, making the extra pass actually from the corner. I think Marvin was to the top where Mm -hmm. Frank was. That tied the game at 94, and Charlotte never scored again (laughs) uh, in about the last two and a half minutes. But, you know, I thought the Hornets did a nice job. 
negotiating that. And you have to, right? Like, you have to score out of those scrambling situations for Milwaukee because they're so freaking long defensively. When they're matched up one-on-one across the board defensively, they got their hands up, their arms up. It's so hard to just get a clean pass off um, against them. It's unbelievable how long they are. But uh, I I thought the Hornets did an okay job offensively, all things considered. Yeah, teams are shooting only 41, 42% against Milwaukee at the rim, which is, which is the, that's the, the, that's, you know, the worst in the NBA. Um, but yeah, the, I, you can also tell too, with, that's one of those matchups with Kemba, with the size, the guys that can switch across the board. It felt like every time he's out there, he's going up against the guy that's got pipe cleaners for arms, you know, whether it be Snell or Brogdon or Middleton or Giannis, whoever switched out onto him or, <clears throat> or whoever was trapping him, getting the ball out of his hands. He's just had such a size deficiency. Um, Hornets hit only seven threes in that game. You know, I think games when they hit that few three, like what, how many of those games are they going to win? Probably not many. And even then, Marvin still had two great looks at the end of the game, including um, I think it was like a either a layup attempt that that Dwight hit him on a, on a back on like kind of like a cut along the baseline that it I think he got blocked or he missed. He also missed a, like a catch and shoot three above the break, and if those two things go down, the last minute or so maybe plays out a little differently. But Hornets had some issues scoring through Marvin in leverage situations at the end of that game. What do you guys yeah. think of uh, Frank's dunk? Frank's poster dunk there with the got Giannis oh, off the God. dribble. Unbelievable! Couldn't couldn't believe it. I had just gotten off uh, the plane in Richmond, just arrived in Richmond, and I saw your tweet, Richie, and I. I had to watch it like at least ten times before I actually <laughs> believed it. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was it was awesome. Uh, good for Frank. He played great in that game, and mm-hmm. that's another point. I mean, that was the first I thought uh, really good bench game that we saw from this mm-hmm. team. Extremely thin young bench. They scored thirty six points, uh, and then followed that up in Denver, which we'll talk about yeah. with another really yeah. strong game. Uh, Forty nine points off the bench in that game. But uh, Brian, you you were starting to get on the late game. Um, execution or lack thereof for the Hornets. Um, the play that you talked about, Marvin had two great looks. One was the layup that he mm-hmm. he fumbled. They trapped Kimba uh, on the pick and roll with Dwight. So Dwight's rolling. Kimba kind of tr- tries to hit Dwight, but can't negotiate yeah. off Milwaukee long arms. So he pitches it to his outlet, Frank, there on the wing, who then gets it to Dwight. Dwight's driving, makes a perfect piss pa- uh, pitch patch uh, to a to a cutting Marvin from the opposite corner. I mean, it is a catch and layup. It doesn't get any more elementary than that. And Marvin fumbles it, gets yeah. it blocked by Henson or, or Giannis, yeah. one or the other. I can't remember. <laughs> that was huge. And then the other one was Kimba, um, you know, drive. He actually gets the switch onto Giannis, uh, which is not a great situation. But he mm-hmm. does get by him going left, gets under the rim, kicks it out. Absolutely perfect pocket pass right into uh, right into Marvin's right arm. He goes up, shoots it. It looks good, and it was just barely back rim. So, you yeah. know, there are two situations where you look at and you say, Hornets don't execute, but, God, the, both of those plays could have gone the other way for Charlotte. Yeah, and I'd like to just clarify something real quickly. Milwaukee, 52%, 42% of the field goals they're allowing this season are at the rim, but teams are shooting only 57% uh, on, against them on those attempts, which is fifth fifth best in the NBA. So, they're giving you shots at the rim, but they're so damn long uh, inside that it's yeah, it's tough to score on them at the hoop. Yeah, and you know, I would two other things I noted, and they both have to do with Kemba here. Well, not not both of them, but but kind of. 
Kimba gets two switches. Um, so we've covered two of the possessions already late in the game. The other two came uh, with Kimba getting the ball, gets switches on, with John Henson on both of these plays. The first was really the first play of clutch, just under three minutes. And Kimba, you know, kind of dances with it for a minute and pulls up for a, a pull-up three, which it's not a terrible shot because we know how efficient Kimba is in pull-up three situations. Um, I don't love the decision because he gets the switch onto John Henson. I would still like to see him try to beat him off the dribble, you know, and create something that way. So that ends in a miss. And then the other one is Kimba gets switched onto John Henson again, you know, dances with Henson for a minute, and then switches the ball uh, across uh, to Lamb, who takes an awful uh, pull-up three right in Snell's <laughs> face. Uh, predictable. Um, yeah. Kimba, I know he's exhausted. I know he's tired. I know the Hornets asked so much of him. And late in the game, he's gassed, but he's got he's got to be the guy there, and he's got to make better decisions than that late in games. Um, I, I don't know how else to say it. So I'm not even going to put the bad Lamb jumper on Lamb. Lamb should have never gotten the ball in the first place. Kimba's got to take the initiative to go score the ball or at least get into the defense when he's got a center switched onto mm-hmm. him and create something going inside out. Um, so I was a little disappointed in Kim's decision-making down the stretch, too. I think that had a little bit to do or a lot to do with the Hornets' struggles to uh, to score at the end of that game. Yeah, if Kim was switched on a big, I think the first thing you got to do is drive the ball and, and force force that big to stay with you, which in all likelihood he won't, and that's going to force some switches down low, and then you can get the ball moving. Don't, don't make that pass to Lamb until you get the defense moving a little bit. But against Milwaukee, where they have a lot of limbs, trying to drive on that team and get into the paint uh, is probably difficult. So we got a little lucky because he does so well with those pull-up threes so it's not the worst decision in the world but uh if you have a big on him you, you got to get that defense moving and get to the basket so the defense has to rotate yeah i couldn't agree more um you know you're exactly right kimba has to drive the basketball in those situations and you know he can obviously create for himself but getting that ball into the middle of the paint is going to create for other people too i mean he's got it Kimba gets to the, the free throw line a lot. There's really no excuse for him, not late in games, uh, to be trying to do the same and draw some contact, especially when he gets a big switched onto him. So the Hornets get a, a big home win on Wednesday night uh, against a, a Nuggets team that, you know, let's just go ahead and say was quite hyped coming into this mm-hmm. season, especially on the offensive end. They've been anything but to start the season, and yeah. the Hornets, Hornets were awesome defensively uh, in this one. Uh, I think I haven't watched a lot of other teams so far this season, but I would be hard pressed to see a team that helps recovers chases their guy off the three point line and then rise their hip or even re recovers and gets back in front of the ball better than the Hornets have done so far this year, their defense, although that, you know, they were burned last night, but mm-hmm. the Rockets, that, that's a different group. The Hornets yeah. defense to me and the effort and the attention to detail has been excellent to start this season. I mean, yeah. I think it really looks like a, a solid, Steve Clifford, coach, defensive team. And I thought Denver was as good of a game as any uh, to really showcase that. I think the team defense was good last night against Houston, and it was good in Denver. We held Denver just to 8 of 31 from behind the arc, which is 26%. Murray didn't make a single shot from behind the arc. Um, So definitely the, the hard closeouts, the rotations, you're definitely seeing Clifford's stamp on this team. I will say one thing that I am a little bit nervous about or worried about that might be a strong word but 
just in defending the pick and roll, and I made a note of it in this game, you know, the rotations are good and everything, but when Kimba is, when he's having to weave in and out of those pick and rolls, especially against a big who can stretch the ball a little bit um, or is comfortable in the high post with like uh, Jokic is, it's difficult for him because he's having to travel long distances because Dwight sags back so much. So it's almost like he's trying to catch up to his man because Dwight's just sitting in the paint and that's all he's doing. He's not creating too much uh, resistance there. So that's the one thing on defense that I made a note of in this game and that I've seen this season. It's just the pick and roll defense, especially with the five one five pick and roll. And, and Kemba's just having to go long distances because Dwight sags, which is what, what you expect. You don't want him out there. But uh, yeah, overall defense, uh, we limited them uh, from behind the arc. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Jokic is one of the best passing. He's you know, 21, 22 years old. He's already one of the best passing big guys, seemingly in the history of basketball. He had zero assists in this game, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, that's a collective defensive effort. The Hornets, by the way, are, are tied for third in the league in defensive efficiency right now. Uh, they're giving up 97.3 points per 100 possessions, which is great. It's the offense that's been. Uh, an issue and certainly in specific lineups, but to hold Jokic to zero assist and, and you can see it in, on some of those possessions. If, if Jokic caught the ball pinch post area at the nail, whatever, which is where he likes to operate from Dwight just sagged off and they just said, we're not going to let you hit your cutters. You, we're, you, you, this is where you like to look for Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. And they just clawed, they congested everything up and a fantastic defensive performance. And really, I think that zero assist number for Jokic is huge and then on offense, they just they look at the look at the box score. Their profile was incredible. Five guys score 15 or more points. They shoot 43% from downtown. They get to the foul line 26 times. Look, if, if you put those numbers together, you're going to win most of the time. And, and it was a sensational performance from a lot of different guys. Kemba was wildly important. You could see Clifford, I think, even brought him back a little bit early in the fourth quarter of that game because the 20-point lead got cut down to uh, 13, and Kemba came in, first possession, double high pick and roll, which has been their thing with with Frank and White setting screens for Kemba. And they got the switch, Plumlee on on Kemba. Frank reversed it back. Kemba went in, got a pull-up two. Next possession, two, or two possessions later, a minute later in the game, same thing, back to Kemba for a three that put them up, I think, 16 or 17 and and that was basically the ball game after that and uh just an incredible game for Kemba and Kaminsky was obviously on full display hitting all of his you know sort of herky-jerky you know flings from the from the from the mid post but also was really efficient at the rim too that that's one of the best games Frank's ever played I would say and it was good to see Malik Monk have sort of a, a a breakthrough game um you know, I, I feel, feel like he's brought some good stuff to the table this year. But when when he plays and Kemba sits, things have been uh, a disaster for the Hornets, to say the least. So it's good to see him get loose uh, and score a career high 17 points in that game too. So uh, I even thought I even liked the enjoyed the uh, the Frank Kaminsky Johnny O'Brien pairing in the front court, which has been pretty. But in that game, it was awesome. They scored over 1.1 points per possession with Kaminsky and Johnny O'Brien on the court together in that game. And it was kind of fun to see the sort of like five out offense that Charlotte could run with those two guys and got Monk a dunk and some other good looks in that, in the, um, in the Denver game. But yeah, this was a, it was a fun game to catch in person. And, um, you know, that's a good win because Denver's a good team. And at some point they're going to start hitting their stride on offense. It just hasn't quite happened yet. 
maybe they shouldn't have released Jameer Nelson, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is this is for for literally no reason, so they could sign Richard Jefferson. But uh, this is where they're at right now, and um, everything flows through Jokic and Dwight, and the collective team effort by the Hornets was was really impressive. Yeah, they need a point guard in a bad way, uh, BG, and I, they were. A little bit ambitious, it looks like, with this whole Jamal Murray experiment at point guard. I, I just do not think he's a point guard, but that's another conversation mm-hmm. for another day. Richie, to your point, I mean, it's a great one about all this ground that Kimba has to recover, has to, um, you know, recover on when negotiating these pick and rolls because Dwight does sag. Charlotte is a drop defensive team, and they're going to struggle uh, and give up a lot of open shots against teams like Denver and against teams like Houston that like to spread it out and like to shoot a lot of three-pointers. Um, you know, luckily, Denver missed a lot uh, of threes the other night. And I, again, I thought Charlotte did a nice job of, of contesting those and chasing them off the line. But, you know, Denver also missed a lot of, of wide-open three-point shots. Hornets are a little lucky on that uh, in that front the other night. But they're just going to struggle against teams that uh, they can spread it out because Dwight's not going to come to the level of the screen. I mean, you just can't ask him to do that. You don't want him to do that because you don't want him to pull him away from the rim. Um, you know, the Hornets are going to are going to live with, with that uh, with that action. And you know what? It, it, although it puts Kim in a tough spot, the Hornets numbers in terms of where the shot profile uh, of their opponent is actually pretty good this year. I mean, going mm-hmm. into last night, they were top five. Uh, in, in limiting three-pointers from their opponent and also top five uh, in actually three-point uh, efficiency from their opponent going into last night. That probably changed a little bit yeah, <laughs> after, after playing Houston. But, you know, and they're also forcing, uh, I think, a top eight um, amount of mid-range shots in the league. So they're taking away stuff at the rim, thanks to Dwight. Um, you know, they're icing all sideline pick-and-roll action. They're forcing the ball to the sideline, keeping it there. Uh, and you know, they're chasing teams off three point line for the most, for the most part. Um, so I would say all in all, it, it's frustrating to watch, uh, again, Richie in, in spots because it puts Kim in such a tough spot, but I think it does force the ball to the part of the floor that you would like to. Um, and, and you just have to kind of trust Kimba to get back on the hip, uh, of the ball handler, Dwight to use his long arms to contest everything coming his way. And then the guys in the wings on the outside to just be smart about how far they're helping off their guys. And I think the, the Hornets have been really good at that so far this season. So uh, as we all know, in the NBA, it's give and take. There's no perfect defense because offenses can slice up just about uh, any kind of defensive scheme that you throw at them. But uh, but I think as long as Dwight Howard is in there, this is what the Hornets uh, are going to do. They're going to be a drop defensive team. Yeah, right. And that's a good point you said about like allowing, I guess, top eight in the league and mid-range shots. It kind of tempts them to shoot that mid-range shot as Dwight sags down because you have a little bit more room while Kemba's trying to catch up. And yeah, it doesn't work too well against teams that like to shoot the ball. And another thing, we allowed a lot of offensive rebounds in this game. So those long rebounds definitely play a role against teams like Denver. And it led to 22 second chance points. I feel like if we uh, shored up the offensive rebounds in that game, this game really wouldn't have been that close and we probably wouldn't have to put Kimba back 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 in the game late in the game but uh yeah they had 22 second chance points because of the offensive rebounds but a lot of that could be because of the long rebounds that that bounce off and 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 people just aren't attacking the ball yeah Yeah. and one of those one of those benefits of of having Dwight drop like that though 
Charlotte giving up only 29% of, of opponents' shots against Charlotte this season have come at the rim. That's fourth best in the NBA. So, it yeah, it's going to put, again, it's it's a chessboard out there, right? I mean, you can't, if, unless you're the Warriors and you can switch everything with the death light up, you can, you can check all these boxes. But other teams, it's like you've just got to be willing to be good in some areas and have to work harder and work through issues in in other ish, in, in other departments of, of defense, especially in pick and roll coverage. So it, you know at least they're they're stopping stuff at the rim and opponent effective field goal rate against the Hornets under forty eight percent. That's a six best in the NBA too. So there's a lot to like with the defense, even if because Dwight's not super mobile and he is just going to sag back. It does create some issues in in pick and roll coverage, and it's asking a lot of Kemba when you're already asking a lot of him um, on the offensive side of the floor, too. Yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> Brian, you brought up a point, and I, and I want to take a minute to talk about Monk because he was so good in this game. I mean, this is definitely his best game um, as a rookie so far. By default, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, that's true. But, you know, I mean, look, it, nothing looks bad for Monk. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see anything out there that worries me. He's just – and the shots look good. His shot selection is certainly questionable mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. But, that's what he is, shooter, shooter, yeah. right? Like he's a gunner. He's gonna keep doing that. Um, but the shot looks good. It's not like his misses are bad. Um, I think he's gonna be fine. He's shooting twenty eight percent right now from three point range through five games, but mm-hmm. that that number is going to rise. I, I'm not worried about that. I thought in this game though, Monk did a nice job of letting the game come to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denver was not clued in on him as much as I've seen other defenses so far. Um, he got some really surprisingly wide-open looks, and, and just Jamal Murray just with his hands down uh, around Monk. is just unbelievable. Um, and Monk took advantage of it, finishing 7-14, to 14, goes 3-9 of nine from behind the arc. But, look, I want to say this. Monk's doing a nice job of running the second unit, being patient. He's shown some passes and some vision for a rookie that I think is special. Uh, you don't see every rookie come into the league running – a, a pick and roll in the center of the floor to one side, run it to the right, let's say, and pitch a skip pass all the way to the left corner. Yeah. Uh, and, and Monk's mm-hmm. done that on a few different mm-hmm. occasions so far this year. I mean, he, he's also been patient, you know, in those in those Johnny O'Brien one five pick and rolls. You know, he, he gets the double, he gets that extra dribble, delivers the pocket pass to Job, who can then switch it or go and score it. I mean, I've been impressed. Monk's not like turning the world upside down, okay, at point guard, but he's done a nice job. Uh, and his yep. turnover rate is not very high for a rookie. He's he's really, I would say, average. He's still dishing out more assists than turnovers. So, you know, for the for the skeptics with him playing point guard, I would say that I feel very confident that he's going to be able to do that in spots. I don't think it's his natural position, but I'm I'm pleasantly surprised how well he's done running the second unit so far this season. Yeah, and what what I should say too, in he hasn't played a lot of minutes with Kemba this season. But when he's able to play off Kemba and be the guy that's on the weak side or playing, you know, like a secondary creator type, uh, running a little two man game with Kemba, Malik Monks has a true has a true shooting rate of sixty six percent, which is just smoking with Kemba. Now it drops down to about thirty percent uh, when when Kemba goes off the court. But when he's able to play off Kemba. I mean, you can see how special of an offensive player he can be. That sort of C.J. McCollum, Brad Beal, like comparison that we we've talked about leading from the draft leading into now, and um, you know it's it is interesting though too. I was listening to Clifford after the game talking to uh, Kyle Bailey and our good buddy Chris Kroger too, and basically saying how they want to make sure Malik gets minutes at the point guard because that's where they think 
ultimately long term, that's what he he needs to be able to play that some to be ultimately be as special player as maybe everyone thinks he can be. And uh, one last note from that Denver game, would like to add. Uh, Mason Plumley is so bad defensively, it's a joke. Like every single big basket Charlotte got in the second half, I promise you, if Plumley was on the court, they were targeting him because he and he just it, there were so many times he was just he was back on his heels and um, pick and roll coverage, and Kemba just rose up or you know a guy smoked him on a back cut or whatever. But this was not uh, Mason Plumley. I, I can't imagine had much fun watching the tape of this game because he was. A train wreck on defense for the Nuggets. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, this game, there, there, I did have another note that I wanted to make. Oh, oh, I know what it is. Uh, turnovers. You know, the Hornets started our first three games of the season were were wretched when it came to turnovers. Did not look like a Steve Clifford team. I mean, a lot of that had to do with Dwight Howard, but. In Milwaukee, they only turned it over 13 times. That was a step in the right direction. Here against Denver, they only turned it over 14 times. Uh, still too many from Dwight. I think he had seven in this game. Uh, but then again last night, which we'll talk about in a minute, again, another game. I think 13 turnovers last night. So they seem to have righted the ship a little bit in terms of valuing the ball. And we know how important that is uh, to Charlotte's success. Um, I think that's it for this game. Is there any oh, – and then Frank. I know what the last thing I wanted to say was yeah. just Frank. Uh, he was so good, and you touched on it, Brian. He was so good in this game. I want to see more Malik Monk, Frank Kaminsky, two-man game. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you implement that with this second unit. I want to see more of that, and I want to see less of Jeremy Lamb pounding the ball with a second unit. Um, so yeah. that's not – that's not rocket science. We can figure that out. I would actually like to see less of Jeremy Lamb with the second unit in general because I think he mm-hmm. just – I think he compromises huh. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, he just he pounds it too much, man. I like, feel like he's done yeah. a better job this year, though. I feel like he's he not. Has. I don't want no. I, I don't want this to turn into like the Jeremy Lamb roast because man, Spencer, it, why do you hate Jeremy Lamb? No, he loves yeah, he no, loves no, Lamb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I believe in Lamb, but like, it, it, I don't know. Like for the, it's okay for Lamb to pound it a little bit with the starters, um, and, and be that second banana, you know, with Kemba, but. The, the only way this second unit, as thin as it is right now with two rookies in the game, is going to establish any kind of success is with that ball moving, especially with the five-out scheme, you know, with yeah. J.O.B. in there and Frank in there. That ball's got to go side to side, and I just don't know if Lamb fits that well with that scheme. Like, I'd honestly almost just rather see Travion out there with them, and I know you almost have no experience on the floor at that point, but at least – the ball's going to move. Travion's going to switch it. He's going to make a quick decision. Um, as good as Lamb's been this year, he hadn't looked any different when he pounds it, right? Yeah. He just still looks like that Jeremy Lamb is about to make a bad decision, which is what happens. So I, I don't know. Anyways, that's an observation. I don't know if he fits as well with the second unit. Um, all right. Anything else, or should we move on to Houston? I say we move on to Houston, but this was an outlier performance in terms of giving up offensive rebounds. The Hornets gave up a ton Uh, in this game and what was kind of an unusual performance for a a Clifford coach team. But Denver, with an offensive rebounding rate, hovering close to 30%. um, I I don't know if you'll see that happen again this year. But just another another thing to take note of. That was a weird defensive rebounding game for the Hornets. They gave up a ton on the offensive glass. That was weird. Yeah, a lot of long rebounds. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, nonetheless, Clifford won't be happy. All right, um, Houston – so we're recording this on a Saturday. Uh, Houston came to Charlotte last night. Um, 
I mean, the Hornets started the game excellent. Um, yeah. Really came out with defensive energy, knocking down shots. Dwight is all over the glass. Uh, I mean, it's everything that this team is is pretty much advertised to be. Uh, and then the Rockets take like almost 63s and make you know 25 of them or whatever. I mean, it's just ridiculous this team. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, the first thing I wrote down is James Harden has got the highest IQ. Uh, Mm-hmm. offensive IQ to me is any player in the league. And I know that's a strong statement, but some of the passes he makes without even looking, uh, this little action where there's a, a double high with Capella and Anderson, and then Anderson runs off. It's like a little quick screen, the screener action. Anderson runs mm-hmm. off that. So uh, Harden comes off it, you know, going left, literally doesn't even look and throws a behind the back. I think this is in the first quarter. Behind the mm-hmm. back bounce pass to Anderson, who's now getting screened by Capella. Yep, that little flare screen. Yeah, little flare. I mean, it's just like how unstoppable. Easy, it's unstoppable, and how easy that guy makes the game look. Mm-hmm. I have, I haven't seen it, man. I really haven't. Not he, not with somebody of the vision like that. He and D'Antoni are perfect together. Like they just they he found he found his like a souped up Steve Nash that's just bigger and, and stronger, and it's yep. it's wild to see. And by the way, that fifty those fifty-seven threes, I said this to Richie last night, that's the third most ever in the history of an NBA game. I mean, this this was this was a, just a wacky night inside the like the science experiment that is the Houston Rockets. I mean, the 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 thirty-two threes they attempted in the first half, that was an NBA record. That that was they broke the record that they set last December for attempts, three point attempts in a in a half. And a lot of them were above the break. Like, you know, with Houston, you probably worry about those corner threes. Houston attempted 42 above-the-break three-pointers in this game. I mean, I've never seen this happen before. It's it's wild. Um, and, yeah, like, good luck stopping that when, when Ryan Anderson's bombing 30-footers on you. Like, you can't guard it out there. No. No, it's it's, it's really unbelievable. Um, you know, that they end up making 22 of them, shoot 38.6% for, for, for the game, um, which, you know, whatever. That's probably about their average. But yeah. to take – to take 57 threes and as a defense to just have having and the most amazing thing is this is that Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon specifically hard mm-hmm. too but you know he dances a little closer to the three point line those guys shoot him from like 5 or 6 feet beyond yeah. the three point line yeah. so it's almost impossible to be a help defender negotiate Harden's unbelievable vision and then recover to that like you are you going to recover 40 feet away from the basket like it's un believable how these guys have like revolutionized the way the game is played and you're right Brian like I've watched enough of the Rockets to know I mean we all have we've watched enough Mm -hmm. of the Rockets to know like what they do what they want to do they're not going to take mid-range shot they're going to take threes and and dunks or layups Mm -hmm. but like last night was it was it was different it was different even in standards of Houston (laughs) yeah I mean uh, they they played they played they played eight guys and Tark Black played Tark Black was one of those guys he played less than nine minutes. I mean, this is this is I said this to Richie last night too. This is Mike D'Antoni coaching in, you know, like he's like it's the second week of May, you know? I'm playing these sort of tight rotations. And Capella had a good game when he was wasn't in foul trouble. But uh in minutes when he when he was off the court, they played Brian Anderson at center a lot. And it's just tough. Richie, you brought this up a second ago. What how Dwight wants to defend a pick and roll. Well, how do you then apply that sort of that sort of conservative strategy to when Ryan Anderson is center and he's picking yeah. and popping and trying to bomb 26 footers. Like what the hell is Dwight supposed to do? He's got no shot out there. Yeah. Uh, 
it's tough, man. I don't know how you defend that. It's one thing if uh, if Harden has it going, but Ryan Anderson has it going and Eric Gordon, like it's all over from there. Anderson had like, I think he had nine points in the first quarter and they came pretty early off three of three from threes. And like you said, like it's just so difficult to guard that, especially with Dwight in there. And I don't want him to go out on Anderson, but Anderson, like Spencer said, like he can shoot it three feet behind yeah. the three-point line so there's no defending that and I, and I will say that I don't think our team defense overall was all that bad I thought there were some hard closeouts some good communication rotations and we saw that one play in the third quarter which led to a block from Lamb and a, and a you know a leak out dunk uh, on the other end um, I thought that was pretty so common I thought that was pretty common I think some of these shots were contested and even deep uh, but they still made them you know they're a high volume three-point shooting team and we saw that Friday night um, and Brian to your point they don't play a lot of players um, no. that's because they have enough firepower as it is from their starters on our end yeah. we need those bench players to step up and we only scored 21 points off off the bench so that was uh, that kind of killed us again yeah it's it's unbelievable I mean the Rockets how they just take guys they plug them in and immediately they are at least passable shooters like Luke, like Muabai Amute, who's one of the worst shooters in the league traditionally, is at his position. And then P.J. Tucker, who's gotten better over the years, but yeah. certainly not labeled as a shooter. You bring these two guys in, last night, 5 of 10 from behind the arc. So, I mean, like, there's it's hard to find a weakness with this yeah. team. And to Brian's point, they, they played eight guys, seven and a half guys. Tariq Black <laughs> played, you know, a number of those minutes. So... It's it, how easy they make the game look offensively is truly a treasure in the NBA and something we haven't seen consistently, really, maybe ever yeah. uh, outside of the Golden State Warriors. But it, this is even different because this mm-hmm. is all predicated out of the pick and roll mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. You know, Golden State's much different. Yeah. Um, you motion. know, in that. Yeah, more motion. Yeah, split. Yeah. Right. So offensively for the Hornets. I think they got to find a way. You know, Dwight was super active on the glass earlier, creating second chances for Charlotte. Um, you know, just going to work on Clint Capella. We saw him just bully him at the rim a few times. I mean, he's looked as good as we could have expected him, I think, personally, outside of the free throw line, uh, yeah. to begin the season here. But, uh, you know, the Hornets have got to figure out a way when he's on the floor to manufacture points at the rim with, uh, without him. Right. With somebody mm-hmm. else like Kimba has just not been able to get there this year. And yeah. I don't think we need to do any in-depth research, to figure out why the space just isn't there. When he's going to the rim, he's meeting Dwight's guy um, head to head. And if Kimba doesn't make that skip pass to the opposite corner with the guy coming in to tag Dwight, then, you know, it, it really makes life difficult on the Hornets. And, mm-hmm. you know, it gets too many bodies under the basket. When there's a missed shot or there's a turnover, and now the other team's going the other way. So, you know, I don't know how the Hornets and how Clifford, um, you know, manufactures points in the paint uh, when it's not Dwight Howard. But I think that's a sneaky, important development uh, as as the season goes on if this offense wants to make an uptick. Because right now it looks it looks caught in the mud. Well, Brian and I were talking about it last night, and they threw Mba Mute and P.J. Tucker on Kimba. So not only is it more difficult to get in the paint, it's harder to get things going. And Kimba was visibly frustrated, I think, probably in the second quarter. Uh, when he left, the Hornets had the lead. 
the bench comes in. Uh, we saw we saw the bench play. It wasn't too great. You know, Frank was like three from 11 shooting the ball. Monk looked all right at times. Bacon didn't, you know, make a point from the field. So when he came back in and then he was faced up against Umba Amute, uh, it was just difficult for him to get into the lane. And it feels like he can get to the edge of the lane, but he can't quite get all the way to the basket or they're forcing him underneath the basket and he's having to make that that sideline or that baseline pass to the corner. So, um, you know, he wasn't getting the calls. He was visibly frustrated and he couldn't get into the lane. So partly due to Dwight, but partly also due to uh, Umba Mute. Yeah, you know, they're trying to, you can tell with these sort of, they're trying to kind of mix up these pick and rolls and not have it just be st- standard 1-5. So that's why you see Frank or Marvin with these kind of high ball stagger just because if it's one five mm-hmm. teams can just teams can kind of just collapse you know maybe you know make sure Kemba you don't go under so Kemba doesn't get the walk up three and then collapse everything they tried some cool stuff Clifford had a great out of timeout set last night where he used Kemba actually to back screen a little Spain action and get Dwight roll into the hoop that was one of the prettiest plays I've seen I've seen the Muse all season. But, you know, we talked about this a, a lot probably over the offseason, just how good the Hornets were as a pick-and-roll offense last season. So the NBA tracks these things called screen assists, and those are screens that lead directly to a made basket. Uh, Cody Zeller was, I think, in the top three in the league last season, had six, 5.9 screen assists per game last season. Frank Kaminsky had nearly three. Marvin had nearly two. Here's look at the here's look what the Hornets have done in terms of screen assists this year, and a lot of this is out of the pick-and-roll. Dwight Howard is averaging only 1.2 screen assists per game. Cody has only one per game, and obviously he's been hurt, and that's a big, that's been a big detriment to this team in the pick and roll, uh, pick and roll action on offense. Johnny O'Brien only one and a half screen assists per game. He leads the team, so they're just not getting as many immediate good looks out of this sort of action as they did a year ago. Even though they are having some success with Kemba, and Kemba's still shooting a good number out of the pick and roll, it's just not coming with as much ease as it did. Um, you know, a year ago, it's just not quite the quite the same thing. So we'll see what happens when 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 Cody and uh, and when Nick Batum get back as well. Because in general, just the assist rate with his team is down. Um, they, their assist rate has dropped over eleven percentage points between last season to this season. They were top probably seven or eight in the league last season. They're bottom probably four or five this year. So the offense is just it's it's a little more it's just a little more robotic and. Um, it's just it's been it, points are points are tough to come by and also trying to get Dwight the ball at the hoop is feels like it's leading to a lot of turnovers as well. So, you know, it's a trade off when, when you're trying to get him at the hoop, because once you do get it there, he's usually pretty good scoring it. No question. And I, I think it's a you know, it's a good point about the screen assist, Brian. And, you know, when Zeller comes back, which I don't think is going to be too long here. I, I'm actually here, and it could be tomorrow night. Um, okay. So, so, it, it, how, but how do you reincorporate that, right? So you're you're getting used to this new style of play with Dwight Howard. Now, how do you reincorporate Cody Zeller and, and try to recapture that offense that has been, you know, pretty darn efficient here in the last few seasons? You know, predicated out of the screen. I mean, the, half the problem with Dwight is not that he can't do it; it's just that he, he won't do it. He won't hold the screen. Mm-hmm. And then turn his body and run to the rim. He he just he gives up on the screen too early. He tries to slip it and sprint to the rim, thinking he's going to get that lob. I just I, Dwight and Kimba have have been okay together. I think this season so far this season, but mm-hmm. Dwight still has to understand. I mean, he's not playing with James Harden, right? Like, it, yeah, Kimba is his first move is not to look to the rim when Dwight mm-hmm. doesn't hold that screen for a split second. 
Kimba has, has had success in the league by playing off of a guy, Cody Zeller, who holds the screen. And Kimba can actually run off his shoulder with a little bit of air or at least have that big in a tough spot, right, and then make a decision. If Dwight, I mean, it's what we talked about before the season. If he's not going to commit to setting the screen and holding the screen, using his frame, then I just don't think this 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 is not going to spit out the results that we would hope and like it to. Uh, and again, we talked about that before the season. But uh, I think I wrote down the same play you did, Brian. Was I, I wrote down it was six thirty in the first quarter? I yeah. guess it was out of a timeout. I didn't even recognize it. But yeah, it's like. Uh, Kimba throws it, you know, to the wing to Lamb, runs off a little UCLA screen mm-hmm. action off Dwight, and then Dwight immediately goes into to set a ball screen for Lamb. Kimba turns as soon as he d- gets done with the UCLA, screens Dwight's man, boom, lob, dunk. So it's it's yeah. almost like a screen the screener, you know, kind of action. But it's beautiful when you saw Charlotte running a little bit in the preseason. So that would probably be uh, mostly an ATO um, type of play. But I-, I would like to see Charlotte try it more. Um, you know, just in the free flowing, you know, action of the game, because mm-hmm. if it's not there at the rim, the only guy to come tag Dwight has to come all the way from the opposite corner. So, again, you switch the ball and now you've got stuff moving. Yeah, um, so it's a good way for Charlotte to get into their offense. It, and um, I feel like the, and I feel like the Hornets have gotten good stuff. I've, I've liked what I've seen from Lamb, Bacon, Malik Monk and Trevion Graham on, on weak side action this year. I feel like those guys have the Hornets have taken a lot of corner threes this year, more than ever before under Clifford. And those guys have been good shooters, good ball movers. So I've, I've liked the weak side action they've gotten out of that one-five pick and roll with Kemba and Dwight, even if the immediate lob at the rim or, or action in the middle of the court isn't exactly what you would want it to be. You know, I thought that the Hornets, uh, you know, I, I thought they did enough to give themselves a chance to win this game. The, the big sore spot for them in this one was the bench. The mm-hmm. bench was pretty terrible. You know, they didn't turn the ball over a lot, but they couldn't get stops. Um, you know, looked they looked like Dwayne Bacon uh, and Malik Monk definitely looked like rookies defensively in yeah. this game. But look, Dwayne Bacon was guarding freaking James Harden in spots. All right, that like that's unreal. That's where yeah. we're at to start the season. I, I thought he thought did Dwayne decent on, on Harden on a couple possessions. I remember one vividly where he actually was, uh, you know, with Harden the whole time. I'm not sure if he made the basket or not, but I was impressed by Bacon's, you know, he wasn't on him all the time, but some of the some of the plays that I saw him on, he looked pr- pretty decent to me. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. He actually forced the turnover against Harden. I mean, Bacon has shown a lot more defensively early in the season um, than I thought he could or would. Uh, I mean, he's he's buying in uh, to, I think, what Clifford yeah. is coaching and demanding. Uh, and that's why he's continuing to get these minutes, mm-hmm. uh, and partly because Clifford doesn't have any other choice. But, you know, I thought one thing I wrote down that was interesting in this game is how Clifford finished the game. Um, he actually finishes with Kimba, Monk, Lamb, Frank Kaminsky, and Dwight Howard. So having Monk out there at the end of the game mm-hmm. I thought was a very interesting development and one that I hope – um, continues to pop up here more in the future. Uh, of course, it didn't matter too much because Houston, um, you know, they decided to, to use the hack Howard approach, really starting right at three minutes yep. and pretty much for the rest of the game. And then they, you know, my boot, uh, my, I can't say his last name. My boot, hit a three from the core, and then Ryan Anderson hits a, a deep three from the top that pretty much ended this game. But, um, so, you know, Houston took Charlotte out of anything they wanted to do with the hack of Howard uh, thing. But, you know, that's, again, when Clifford plays teams like this, if he's going to leave Howard out there when Ryan Anderson is playing center and he's going to leave Howard out there at the end of games uh, when teams start to foul him, I mean, if, if he's going to say we're going to 
we're just going to take it on the chin. We're going to figure it out. We trust that Dwight will turn around on the free throw line. We think he can keep up with small ball centers. That's fine. Okay. But I would, (laughs) I don't know. It seems a little hard headed to me. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have mind if minded if they had in Clifford's, I think pretty reluctant to do this stuff, but if they had gone smaller, just play Marvin at center. If they're going to go with Anderson at five and let's just try to switch that stuff up top. Um, and I mean, I know Marvin's had a rough, Marvin's had a really rough season in general, especially on offense this season, heading for a career low in usage rate, uh, if, if this keeps up, but, um, you know, against Houston, they're an unconventional team. I think you've got to go outside the box to defend them. And even early in the game, it was awesome to see MKG back and taking the assignment of guarding James Harden, but you'd almost want him off the, you almost want him off the ball being the guy that's switching on to switching on to shooters and stuff like that. Um, just because, you know, it's not just hard and go one on five and try to score. And, and there were a couple of threes early in the game that Anderson got loose for where it was a screen with Marvin guarding him. And, and you just wish Marvin and MKG would just switch that as opposed to having MKG try to fight over the top, then have Marvin recover back. And by the time he gets to Anderson, it's just too late. Like it takes yeah. Anderson half a second to let it fly from 27 feet. And it's going to go in 40% of the time. Like it's just... It's a losing formula, basically. Yeah, that you're not playing the odds at all when you yeah. try to pull something like that off. And, I, you know, again, Hornets aren't going to have to deal with this every night. And with, with as thin as they were going into last night, you know, without Travion Graham even in the game, it would have made a difference. You know, I, maybe we chalk this up for a little bit of an experiment. You know, hey, we're just yeah. we're going to leave Dwight out there. Like, we're going to take this one on the chin and, and just kind of evaluate how it goes for us. Um, because they're not going to deal with this but a handful of times this season I mean you couldn't name a whole lot of teams in the Eastern Conference maybe outside of Boston that are going to give them a similar look yeah um but it's still something to keep an eye on because you know Clifford can be hard-headed and it was a little frustrating to to watch him leave Dwight out there in these situations last night just 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 want to mention real quickly um Charlotte this year despite some of the struggles on both ends of the court when they have Kemba Dwight Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky on the court, they've been awesome. Um, scoring over 120 points per one over 120 points per 100 possessions with those dudes on the court. And basically this season, if they've had uh, this is a little reductive, but if they've had Dwight Kemba and Frank Kaminsky on the court this season, Charlotte has been very, very good, regardless of who the two other wing players are. So something to keep an eye on going forward, um, you know, especially as the team gets healthier. Um, you know, making sure those are guys, you know, we'll see what crunch time looks, crunch time lineups look like Frank versus Marvin. I think that's something to, to track as the season goes along. You know, one, one of the stats that I wrote down earlier, doing a little research before we jumped on here, I, I wanted to know what uh, percentage of a, you know, what percentage of Dwight's finishes around the rim were coming off of an assist Mm-hmm. Um, and, and right now, 58% uh, of Howard's made shots at the rim have been assisted on. So it, it's it's closer to that 50-50, um, you know, pick and roll, you know, kind of finish, uh, you, you know, uh, opposed to him isolating around the rim. It's closer to that 50-50 than I would like it to be. I think that the most Orange fans should like it to be. Um, I don't think the isolation experiment has gone horribly uh, with Dwight so far mm-hmm. this season, but... Um, to your point from earlier, Brian, I, I just I don't think it's a formula for winning. Like, I, yeah. if you're going to throw it to Dwight, and I didn't get the number on how many times a game it is or, or what his field goal percentage is in ISO situations, but, you know, there's just not enough room 
for the guys who can actually beat their man off the dribble, Jeremy Lamb, Kimball Walker. There's not enough room for them to get there with mm-hmm. Dwight just camping out down there. And I don't know what the answer is. Like, yeah. I don't know. But it's not going to work with the Hornets just dumping it into him. It's not. Yeah. We've learned that. So R- Richie and I talked about this last night. I think so much of uh... – you know, I, I, we all like understanding basketball from this sort of scientific numbers level. And you'd like to just say, hey, why why are we lighting four or five possessions per game on fire by just giving it to Dwight and letting him, you know, either get fouled and miss two free throws or turn the ball over or, or whatever. Or there's a turnover is forced on the on the entry pass, just trying to force it into him. But I guess if, if it requ- if you need to have that so that he tries hard on the defensive glass and he runs the court and he screens hard. I guess, you know, basketball is a game with human beings on the court. And if you have to have that to keep him motivated, and, and I think this has been at least advertised as something that's trailed Dwight his whole career, then I guess I understand it. You just like in, in, an, in an ideal world, you, would, you wouldn't need to just waste those five possessions a game by making sure Dwight gets his touch on the block so that he's willing to run back on defense. But I mean, if that's what it takes, I guess it's what you get. It's a pill you got to swallow. Yeah, I was getting ready to bring that up. And you know, our offense definitely yeah. looks different than Dwight with Dwight out there. But if he does need those early touches to feel involved in the game on both ends, I feel like you almost have to do it. But I will say, I feel like if I had to choose one player, I know it's only five games in that I've been most impressed with. It has been Dwight Howard. Um, you know, if I had to choose one singular player to me on both ends of the court, rebounding the ball, he's been the most impressive for the Hornets so far this season. Um, but he is one of those types of players. Uh, not many people have to do it, but he's one of those types of players that needs to feel involved with the team. Yeah. So I just looked this up real quickly. Hornets have uh, used 9.6% of their possessions this season in post-ups. Most of those are Dwight Howard. That's a top five number in the NBA Last season, they used only 4.7% of their possessions in post-ups. That was a bottom four number in the NBA. So they've almost doubled uh, the like the rate of possessions in which they're using in terms of these sorts of isolation post-ups. And again, the overwhelming majority of those are, are for Dwight Howard. So yeah, the offensive profile has changed a little bit this year. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's not like, Brian, they're creating they're not creating an advantage in another area. I mean, one of the, the area that we thought it could come from, you know, begin at the beginning of the season is offensive rebounding. The Hornets will send more people to the offensive rebound. Dwight will clean it up there. Well, to the eye, to the, by the eye test, he has like, he has created other chances, second chances for the Hornets so far this season. Um, but their rating there is still not great. No. I mean, the Hornets are 25th in the league at creating, yeah. you know, all in offensive rebound percentage. So, you know, these possessions, like you say, that they're lighting on fire, they're not gaining back somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that's the bothersome part. And, and that's why it's so self-explanatory as of five games in of why this offense is 20th in the league in points per possession. Because yep. it's not an effective, well-oiled machine uh, that goes through its best player, Kimball Walker. Right now it's going through Dwight Howard. But it can't go through Kimba with Dwight out there. I feel like Kimba pairs right. you know, much better with Cody than he does than Dwight. So I feel like it has to go through Dwight when Dwight and Kimba are out on the floor. Yeah, and, and the, other, the other thing too is it's like, look, when Kimba sits, this team is all-time bad. I'm talking like historically bad. They're scoring Bobcat bad points for 100. I mean, they're <laughs> – they're the. I'm going to go to the YMCA later today, and I'm going to see dudes playing pickup that could score 70 points for 100 possessions in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a joke. But so, 
so many so many minutes that Dwight has, they're they're tethered to Kemba, and you've got to really maximize these possessions when Kemba's on the court. And if five or six of them per game or more, you're just wasting in a Dwight post up. Look, like this is what's going to happen. You're not going to be a very good offensive team, especially when you don't have a guy like Nick Batum. I really felt last night is a game that where he was he was missed too as a yeah. Uh, they're just having to work so hard for everything, and they're missing him as a not just the shooting, but his ability to connect everything else. And, um, and, you know, we'll see. Maybe his lob passing will make things a little easier for Dwight when he comes back, too. But, yeah. Like never, he's, yeah. Go ahead. I, well, I, was, I was running out of steam there anyways. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, in everything we're talking about here, yeah, I, I don't want to get lost in translation of the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, you know, Cody Zeller being healthy, Michael Carter-Williams being healthy, mm-hmm, Nick Batum mm-hmm. being back. Like, when those things, if those things ever come to fruition for this roster, like, do we see more Kemba Cody and less Kemba <laughs> Dwight? Do we see more Batum Dwight? You know, um, so a lot of this thing can fix itself if health just – um, you know, comes to the doorstep and finally lets this team just have a break. Good grief. I mean, it's just year after year. Um, so, but, you know, we shall see. For right now, I think you're right, Richie. For right now, I just, it, it can't go through Kim. Well, I don't want to say it can't. It would take Dwight Howard making a huge sacrifice, and that's not going to happen. So you're right, it can't. Um, but for now, this is going to be an offense that is going to hover around that 20th in the league uh, spot just because there, there are so few answers. Uh, and Marvin Williams looks like, uh, you know, a floating corpse out there right now. I mean, it's bad. So, all right, guys, I think that's about it. Um, I wish we could go longer today. We're a little up against the clock. Uh, we're recording this on a Saturday morning, so – Orlando at home tomorrow, big game, and one that you would end as a W, but Orlando's 4-1 and one and just absolutely clobbered San Antonio. Spurs uh, by 27 up. points. I mean, who would have? Unbelievable. They look pretty good. So that one will be an interesting one tomorrow night against the Orlando team that is quite frisky uh, here to start the season. Um, all right. Well, guys, this is awesome. Thank you. Uh, I do want to tell everybody, I think next Wednesday – Richie, we are scheduled to do a, a Periscope or Twitch, you know, whichever one we decide, post-game video on Twitter. Um, I can't remember who that game is against. But anyways, we'll, we'll loop everybody back in with that. We are going to go uh, and, and do a video recap next week uh, of the Hornets. Um, for Spencer, that's Richie, that's Brian. Don't forget, we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. Make sure you check out almightyballer.com for a lot of other great content and podcast uh, radio shows from across the NBA. Uh, visit Queen City Hoops for all your Hornets coverage and sportschannel8.com. Don't forget about those boys uh, when it comes to covering you with college football, college basketball, Panthers. I mean, they got it all in the Carolinas, so check them out as well. Guys, I appreciate it. It's great to be back, and I will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.